The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Hey, good morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air at 92.5 Fox News. We've only got a half an hour, so we're going to get right to it. But I want to tell you, it's Medicare open enrollment season. We've got a great segment from one of our teammates about that. We'll uh, cover Ask Annex. Brian Fiore, our branch director at Annex Wealth Management Naples, stops by to talk about some retirement myths. We'll tell you about some webinars. But let me introduce the cast of characters. Eric Felsky, our chief investment officer. Good morning. Good morning to you. And Mark Beck, director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. Good morning to you. Hi, Danny. Been quite a week? It certainly has. Yeah, it's been quite a week. It's been really quite a quite a few weeks in a row, honestly. Some ups and some downs. September was a negative month overall, and, and then a really quick snapback so far in October. And Derek, we saw some kind of mixed economic news this past week. It looks like consumer spending is great, but we've got to worry a bit about unemployment. Yeah, we do. Um, we, we had a retail sales number on Friday. Uh, the headline number up 1.9 percent. Economists were looking for 0.8, so more than double expectations. Uh, the thing that I found interesting about that retail sales report is, is shoppers are basically buying goods, whether it's automobiles, big-ticket items like Pelotons, uh, golf simulators, things of that nature. And they're really not buying, you know, some of the more consumer-oriented things like apparel and the like. But but that contrasted with a jobs report that we got a week ago, which showed that while the unemployment rate declined from 84 to 7.9%, the number of people that are actually permanently unemployed was up by almost 350,000. So it looks like the labor market is starting to lose momentum, which is one of the reasons why I think the Congress has been, you know, debating this stimulus package for for weeks, it seems. And while we may not get a a stimulus package before the election, I think the market and most market participants believe that we will get a stimulus package post-election and the size of which will probably be determined by what the outcome of the election is. You know, it seems to be one of the reasons that the market has been drifting higher, you know, less concerned about when the stimulus shows up, but basically the conclusion that there will be some magnitude of stimulus. And and I think that, you know, to a certain extent, we're able to kind of take our eyes off of that and turn to other items. One might be employment will continue to improve. Of course, the weekly jobless claims uh, went the wrong direction this past week, and the headwind to continued improvement in the jobs area seems to be what's transpiring with the virus and the possibility of sort of the second wave. I think that's that's absolutely true. And we had we had a lot of news on the virus front uh, this week, some good, some bad. On the bad side, both Johnson & Johnson and Lilly had to postpone trials for a period of time to evaluate the efficacy and safety of their vaccine candidates, basically because a few patients fell ill and they want to make sure these things are safe. But on the positive side, on Friday, Pfizer uh, basically said that their vaccine efforts are, are moving moving forward, bearing fruit, uh, and they may apply for emergency use by late November if they uh, if they meet the safety milestones that the uh, 
that they've set for themselves. So vaccine watch continues, right? There are so many parties involved in trying to find a, a safe and effective vaccine. So, you know, we continue to hope that that would be uh, come to fruition, certainly. Um, you know, we are also right at the forefront of earnings season. You know, we're starting to see some data come to light in, in a few areas. And I think one of those spots that was somewhat surprising this past week was out of some of the major financial companies, uh, you know, how they're treating their reserves for loan losses and, and maybe that there's less expected than some of us had thought. Yeah, they were. Uh, J.P. Morgan and Citicorp both announced lo- lower than expected loan loss reserves. Uh, they beat analyst estimates on the top line and the bottom line. Uh, Goldman Sachs, which isn't as impacted by loan loss reserves, also reported a good quarter, as did Morgan Stanley. So in the financial sector, it's kind of, you know, a stock picker's market, if you will. But but generally speaking on the banks, you know, that their, their big issue is what does their loan book look like? We know that there are lots of small businesses that are struggling that may or may not be able to meet payments. We know there any number of landlords that are not receiving payments. Uh, So we're going to have to monitor that closely because as Jamie Dimon said in his conference call, if we were to get a double dip recession, which some people think we might, uh, their loan loan loss reserves are inadequate. And that really highlights how difficult it is to sort of pinpoint these things and predict them, and therefore why the markets are very volatile around periods like this. You know, in, in Jamie Dimon's comments, the spread of potential where they may have over-allocated for loan losses by $10 billion or under by $20 billion, you know, that's a $30 billion spread where they may have missed the target on one side or the other. That's absolutely true. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out about earnings season is, you know, we, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. We're going to get a lot of earnings the next couple of weeks. And we're entering earnings season on a very strong note. We had a a really good results in the second quarter. In the third quarter, the Atlanta Fed is looking for 35% annualized growth in GDP, which obviously would trigger uh, revenue boosts and earnings boosts for many companies. And we also saw that analyst estimates during the third quarter actually went up 4% when they, on average, go down about 4% in the third quarter. So the expectation is earnings season is going to be good. But Mark, as you know, what we focus on as an investment committee is what the guidance looks like. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Mark Beck, Director of Wealth Management Services. We will be back. In the meantime, our website, hit it this morning. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Well, we're now officially in Medicare open enrollment season, and that is now until December 7th. Besides political ads, you've probably seen a fair amount of messaging about Medicare open enrollment. It's not complex, but we thought it'd be worth a conversation for both our clients and regular listeners of the show. And I'm joined by Ron Johnson, CFP and a senior financial planner at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Danny. It's certainly an important concept. Let's start at the basics. What is Medicare? Medicare is a health insurance program provided by the federal government that covers all retirees once they hit age 65. And what's nice about the program is, regardless if you have pre-existing conditions or not, once you reach 65 and properly sign up, you're going to be covered. Do you think that's a reason why people stretch to 65 is so they can get covered? Because if you retire early at 62, you're paying on your own for three years, right? Yeah, that certainly is a big driver in your decision to retire, absolutely. 
So unlike traditional health insurance, there's just one period of open enrollment for Medicare. That's right, right? So walk us through that. Yeah, so open enrollment is for folks that have already purchased Medicare. You're on it already, Danny. And now is the time to change. And let me explain to you why open enrollment exists. Medicare is not guaranteed renewable. What that means is your insurance company has the ability to change your plan from year to year. They can change what's covered, they can change your network, and they can change the price. So every year it's incumbent upon you to review the changes that they're going to make and decide if you need to make a change. So the Medicare rules state that, okay, if we give them an opportunity to change the rules, you get an opportunity to change. So that's what open enrollment is, and it runs all the way to December 7th. You know, if you Google Medicare open enrollment, you get a lot of information. In fact, we should point out that what's on the first page of Google, usually they're paid ads for Medicare providers. So it pays to shop around for the best coverage at the best price. How does somebody determine, though, if they need to change their plan from the year before? So what happens, Danny, is by September 30th, you're going to get a notice from your insurance company. It's called the Annual Notice of Change, and that's going to detail for you what is changing with your plan. So review that and determine if your plan is still going to work for you. If it is, great. I don't think you have to take any action. You get to continue on that plan. If the changes are going to be significant to you, maybe your doctor's no longer in the network, for instance, then you need to shop around a little bit. How many providers are there? Are there tens? Are there hundreds? I can't say for sure, Danny, but it it certainly is competitive. And big name brands, right? People hear about this thing called Part D when they talk about Medicare. That's important, but what is that? Part D, you probably hear a lot on late night TV. Part D is the uh, uh, prescription drug coverage. So you hear a lot about that. And that's what it covers. It it covers your your prescription drugs and and there's some rules in there as far as the deductible and how much you pay. And and that's when you start to hear about things like the donut hole and things like that. That all relates back to, to Part D. But you're paying separately for that? Yes. With having to be 65 to enroll, at what age do you suggest people start researching options? So I'm 60. When do I need to start looking? Typically, you're going to start getting a ton of mail about 63, 64. Now, it really kind of depends on when you're going to retire because the rules of Medicare say that, hey, as long as you have credible coverage and you're working or you're on your spouse's plan, you actually don't need to sign up for Medicare until you retire. Now, you can always sign up if you want to, But you always have the option to use your employer-provided coverage as long as it's credible. Now, if you don't have that option, maybe you're already retired, then you do need to sign up by 65. And it pays to start doing your research maybe when you turn 64. And then have a decision in mind probably three months before your 65th birthday. Because the rules here are very stringent, Danny. It's very important. You need to be signed up three months after your 65th birthday. You either have to have Medicare or credible coverage elsewhere. Otherwise, you're going to be subject to underwriting penalties, and that's a big road you don't want to go down. Ron, when our clients ask about open enrollment for Medicare, do we have a a list of suggestions? I mean, we, we kind of walk them through that? Danny, how we approach this is, first of all, Medicare.gov is an awesome resource. They're going to have information about your plans. You can go there, sign up to get an account, and they'll send you information. We like to also refer you to a an agent who's going to be a fiduciary. And when I say fiduciary, we usually mean an independent agent that has the breath in front of them of the options available, and they're not going to collect a commission from you. They may get paid from the insurance company, but you're not going to pay them. 
those people are very good resource to walk you through what you have and what's available, and then they can compare and contrast for you. We like fiduciaries because we are fiduciaries. At Annex Wealth Management, we value that holistic financial planning, and that includes not just investment and retirement planning, but tax and estate planning, and it's under one roof as a fee-only fiduciary. And that includes conversations with how your Medicare coverage is fitting in with your plan. We can help with all of that, and it's easy. Just visit AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Ron Johnson, a CFP and a senior financial planner at Annex Wealth Management, thank you for your time. You're welcome, Danny. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick break. We're going to be back on 92.5 Fox News. It seems like so much of our future is tied to the global pandemic and upcoming election. But there's no better time to get an honest review of where you are and where you're headed and what choices you have looking ahead. Contact Annex Wealth Management today. Set up a time where we can meet in person or securely online and get a free portfolio review from a local, independent, fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. Team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back, and it's time for Ask Annex. As always, and we truly mean this, you got questions for us, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask button. You don't have to be a client for that. We get a lot of these questions. We get back to everybody. Some of them make it on the air, like our first one from Devin. What will be the sign that we're truly out of trouble? Wow, good question. I've been in trouble since I've been in the fifth grade, so I'm not really sure about that. But I think what he's talking about is economically, and we certainly have to get past this pandemic. We're going to have to get to some situation where this is behind us, and I don't know if it's a vaccine or not. There is eight or nine companies that are moving the ball. The vice president mentioned that there are nine companies that they're monitoring that are in phase three of trials. You know, big companies with tremendous research resources, Sanofi, AstraZeneca, Merck, uh, Moderna are, are some of them. And, and basically, I think the combination of, of positive progress on the vaccine front combined with positive progress on the therapeutic front is something we just need to monitor. We've seen the deaths rates continue to decline even as the number of cases continues to go up. But generally speaking, I don't think we can see a normal economy until we actually have a vaccine that people are willing to take. Next one up on Ask Annex is from Mike. I'm 35 and have a long-term horizon. What has the most upside potential? Well, you have to look at asset allocation, Derek. And when you look across the really the four asset allocation pieces, you've got fixed income, you've got cash, you've got alternatives, and you've got equities. And if you look over the long term, as you well know, equities have performed well. Well, yeah, generally speaking, equities do have the most upside potential, all other things being equal, particularly in a case like now where you see such puny rates offered in CDs and, and corporate bonds and treasury yields. so And no evidence of that changing anytime soon. No, not at all. The one thing I would suggest, though, is, you know, overseas markets, particularly emerging markets, have really had a tough decade. You know, part and parcel, the, the trade war didn't help. Uh, the strength of the dollar has been a problem. But recently, the dollar has started to weaken for any number of reasons. And that's certainly a positive for emerging market companies and emerging market stocks, because essentially, they tend to borrow in dollars, so a weaker 
dollar improves their fiscal situation. And there's a lot more growth in terms of younger populations, less indebtedness in the past. So emerging markets is certainly an area. And surprisingly, the tech weighting in the emerging markets ETF is actually the same as it is in the S&P 500. So you look at stocks and, and of course, the inside of the equities piece of your asset allocation, Derek just rattled off a number of them, which is large cap, mid cap, small cap, and then international and developing. That's really what's in the soup is how you put your assets inside of that equity position. Refreshing to have a 35-year-old say, listen, I got a long-term. Yeah, we'd love it. I love to hear that. Way to go. Next one's from Thomas, and it kind of the same. Looking forward to 2021, what areas of the economy could be very favorable for investment purposes? Well, one of the things we've done with, with our portfolios is, is barbell them to a certain degree. Roughly two-thirds of the companies and exchange-traded funds and actively managed funds that, that we manage here at Annex are in areas that have actually benefited from the pandemic, where their business models were more resilient in the face of the slowdown generated by the by the pandemic. The other point I'd make on that is there are really good, high-quality companies, say, in the airline industry, the hotel industry, uh, and other industries that have been negatively impacted in a disproportionate way that will survive. We know they'll survive. The question is, what is the timing? And nibbling and taking a look at those areas of the market, I think, is also a good idea, too, because evaluations there are very attractive. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Brian Fiore jumps on with us. He is Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Danny. Are there myths about retirement? You bet they are, and I bet you've heard them all. Brian, let's run a couple by you. And one of them is before you can retire, you need to have X amount of money saved. Yeah, I, I know a lot of folks have probably seen commercials in the past where everybody had their number. That's okay as long as you work backwards to get that number. You just can't pick a number out of thin air and think it's going to work for you. In our planning world, based on your lifestyle and your expenses and all that, and then working backwards to see what your nest egg needs to be and what rates of return you expect to get to help you live your expected lifestyle. Another retirement myth is you typically need to meet 70 to 80% of the pre-retirement expenses. What do you think about that? I've heard that. I think it's so depending on case by case and individuals. You know, when they're planning for retirement, most individuals want to maintain their current standard of living, things that they like to do, they want to keep doing. For affluent individuals with higher incomes or that had higher incomes and comparable higher expenses. So you're replacing those annual earnings with significant amounts of money from your retirement plan. So ongoing dedication to savings in order to support that lifestyle is important. I think you could say in a range between 70 to over 100%, just depending on the case. Another retirement myth is that maxing out your annual 401k contributions, that's all you need to do to save for retirement. People would like that to be true, but we're pretty sure that's not true. Maxing out your 401k, if you can do it, that's awesome. Take advantage of it. But even with a long time horizon until retirement, 401k savings alone aren't likely to replace a six-figure income or higher. Uh, in 2019, you could put 19000 away a year into your 401k. If you're over 50, you could do 25000 So the math doesn't work out that that's going to replace a higher income, higher expense person's lifestyle. Joined by Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples, talking about some retirement myths. How about the one where it says you shouldn't retire until your mortgage is paid off? I know a lot of folks prefer not to have debt and, you know, makes them feel good if they don't and they paid off everything. And I do talk to a lot of folks who say I have everything paid off. I have, you know, owe money, I owe money to no one. Right. So if you're that type of person, um, you know, if it really makes sense and matters to you, then, then maybe. But if mathematics come into play and it's objective, 
if you're borrowing on anything and your interest rate is reasonable or low and you can do better with that money doing something else, investing and for a long period of time, then mathematically, you know, you can take debt and mortgages into retirement if, if the math works and the financial planning work. So no, you definitely don't have to have your mortgage paid off and we can plan for that. We can plan for that. Brian said it very nicely. Let us help create that financial plan that fits your lifestyle. Annex Wealth Management is a fee-only fiduciary, and we partner up with you in investment and retirement planning and tax planning and estate planning, and we think we can set you on the proper course, so we would love to help. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, Danny. Always a pleasure. Thank you. We're going to be back. Next on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And hey, we're back. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Hey, I want to mention some uh, webinars. In fact, one's coming up pretty quick. It happens on Tuesday. It's called Pandemic Proofing Your Retirement Plan. It happens at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. And might as well mention one of our most popular because we were packed. But, you know, when you do it virtually, you can put a lot of people in. What the U.S. election means for investors. Our third of four happens on the 27th. Now, if you didn't catch it, that's no problem. You can replay Play it at AnnexWealth.com. My name is Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, is here. And Mark Beck, Director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. You know, Derek, we talk a lot about uh, the Federal Reserve and interest rate policy because it, it clearly it has a tremendous impact, you know, on the on stimulating the economy and therefore where we're headed with the stock market. And um, one of the things that struck me this past week as it relates to interest rates is a new record low on the average 30-year mortgage rate. That's really unbelievable. Yeah, that's right, Mark. Uh, this week, the average uh, on a 30-year fixed loan dropped to 2.81%, the lowest it's been in almost 50 years. You know, and as you know, as an investment committee, we've been adding uh, home builders to our equity income portfolio on, on a tactical basis because we believe there's more upside uh, in the housing market. Um, driven primarily by lower rates, but also by the fact that the employment picture is starting to improve, and people, I think, are looking beyond uh, the virus towards a more normal economy down the road. And, you know, housing prices, we also know there's been a housing deficit. Home builders haven't built the amount of homes that are required given population growth and the rest. We know that lots of millennials are living in the basements, uh, probably not in Florida, but certainly in places like Wisconsin and New York and Connecticut, where housing prices are, are really high. Um, so that's, you know, that's a fundamental metal driving that sector, which again shows the importance of being tactical with your portfolios. Yeah, that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch that play out, certainly with home builders and with the interest rate policy being so low, and and the fact that the Fed has said interest rates can stay lower longer because we need this um, balancing act as far as inflation, so inflation can be higher longer as well. So all of that, of course, plays into how we help build portfolios, not only on where are those opportunities from an equity standpoint, but also how you allocate and where you 
you allocate fixed income is clearly affected by those decisions as well. Yeah, and that and that's really becoming more challenging. You know, mo- most most advisors do a plain vanilla, you know, 60/40 balanced portfolio, and they they have the 40% fixed income for a couple of reasons. One, it generates a return, but it all, also dampens the overall portfolio volatility so that people don't sell and panic at the wrong time, right? You know, people tend to sell when things are down and they're scared from headlines, and the 60/40 provides somewhat of a balancing act. The problem is that 40% is becoming more and more challenging. For example, during the September sell-off, you know, when you would have expected treasuries to do very well because stocks were going down fairly quickly, they didn't really provide the protection they have in the past. What we actually saw was areas like high-yielded corporate bonds, which you would think would go down more, actually perform better because the Fed essentially is backstopping that operation in those sectors of the fixed-income market. So just as we're tactical with our equity holdings, we also apply the same sort of tactical principles on the fixed income side as well. Yeah, I agree with you. That has gotten tremendously complex over the last decade, really, as we've gone through a number of iterations as it pertains to fixed income. And this is probably one of the really the biggest areas where when people come to us and they've left behind an old 401k, so they retired, left the money there, it's low cost, they were comfortable with it during their accumulation period, and now they go back and kind of look at it, and the lack of choices inside fixed income, particularly for most people's 401ks, is a really big driver for them to say, I need to get more in-depth and, and more fine-tuned and complex with how I'm allocating fixed income resources. Yeah, like as an example, I mean, two areas that we, we have exposure to in our fixed income allocations are bank loans and, and preferred stocks. Now, preferred stocks are mostly financial services companies. If you believe the banks are on good footing, that their loan loss reserves are adequate, that there's not a likelihood they're going to have financial problems, uh, preferred stocks provide you a little bit of upside with the equity markets, but also a much higher yield than you get in traditional fixed income. And, and, and secondly, you know, bank loans, if you believe the economy is in decent shape, and we certainly believe that with the Fed keeping rates lower for longer, as you mentioned, fiscal stimulus on the rest, the economy is probably in good shape too. So you're not going to see a whole lot of defaults, which is good for the bank loan market. Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, fee-only fiduciary partner, AnnexWealth.com. We'll see you in a week on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.